This episode may contain explicit language, and we're definitely talking about sex in this one. Welcome to Karen Feeding After Dark, where we remember that parents deserve a little romance, too. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to Noah, who's six, Ami, who's three, and I'm husband to Shira, who's 37. We live in Detroit. I'm Jamila Mew, a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's 10, and I live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose, and I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, Teddy, who's seven, and the wife to one big, who is Jeff, who is 42. We live in Tokyo, Japan. For this Valentine's week, we're so excited to bring you two very special episodes where we focus on ourselves instead of the kids. Whether you're co-parenting with a spouse or you're a single parent navigating the dating scene, sex and love are a big part of being alive, and that doesn't stop when you have kids. So today we're diving into the world of sex and romance while parenting. Two of us are married and Jamila is a single mom, but regardless of your relationship status, these topics are important and parents don't get to talk about them a lot. So now's our time. Later on, we're also going to recommend some things we're loving right now and think you might too. Then, if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we're channeling Cupid and shooting down the idea that Valentine's Day is really all that. Bah humbug. Bah hum love bug. Anyways, here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. Elizabeth, do you and Jeff do Valentine's Day? We do not. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) We we do not. I think it's stupid. Everything is more expensive. You know, like, just make it all a big to-do. And it's like, because of one stupid day, silly. If you're a Slate Plus member, thank you. We're so happy to have your support. And we'll catch you later on in the show for this bonus segment. If you're not a Slate Plus member, we're still happy you're here, of course, but you should know it's very easy to join and you'll get a ton of benefits, a weekly bonus segment from us, and all your beloved Slate podcasts without any ads. You can join Slate Plus today by visiting slate.com slash care plus. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll see you back here in a minute to talk dating and parenting. We're back and it's time to have some grown-up conversations about sex and dating. So if you've gotten this far with some little ears listening too, you might want to come back to us later. But if you're a grown-up who's sticking around, let's talk about sex. We've talked on the show about keeping the spark, feeling touched out, and scheduling intimacy. But since it's romance week, we thought it'd be a good time to dive into sex stuff even more. So we have a great listener question to start off with. This was emailed to us by a listener named Veronica. I'm not sure if this question is for all couple types or not, but how do parents with different levels of sex drive negotiate that minefield? Honestly, I really don't have the physical or mental bandwidth for more than once a week, but my husband wants it three to four times a week at least. Then there's the timing issue. I get cranky when I'm sleep deprived and our kids wake up early, so it's like I either have to wake up at 5.30 or find the energy at night when I'm touched out from our three-year-old and emotionally spent from work. Double ugh. Our oldest sleeps like the dead, but our three-year-old is such a light sleeper, our footsteps sometimes wake her. I work from home, so I'm actually okay with 4 p.m. before we go get the kids if he skips going to the gym on the way home, but that's not always practical. I can't be the only person in this situation. No, Veronica, you are not. 
What do you say, Elizabeth? Gosh. So I feel like this is so hard because there's something about sex that makes us so like, like we don't want to talk about it. We feel like if we talk about it in our relationship that somehow we're like hurting someone's feelings or it's going to cause all of this big stuff. But one I want to say, I feel like this is very normal. Like in terms of what Jeff and I have experienced over the length of having these children, I feel like there are just times when the ability to have a bunch of sex has has not happened because I just can't be there mentally, physically, right? Mm-hmm. In the same way that like when one partner is feeling sick or when one partner has a lot going on in work that maybe these are things that are not happening. And I, I, th- I think that the bottom line is you have to be able to talk about it, figure out what you can manage and how we're going to get through this. I, I think if it's three to four times a week, that may just be a lot with these children. And I know we're going to talk about, like, is it my sex drive? And you're going to feel like I need to fix this. But it mm-hmm. also might just be that life at this moment is really tough. If you are the default parent, there is a lot of caring and intimacy that is happening with the little humans in your house. And it is very hard then to be able to switch over to this other, you know, kind of intimacy. So I think my advice is going to be, of course, can you find a time to schedule something? And then before you schedule that, what do you need to be in that place? So if if your husband wants to have, or your partner wants to have sex three to four times a week, what space do you need to get there? Because what you might want to say is, look, I can totally, this can work for me, but I need an hour before each of those times to like take a shower or I don't know, read a you know, a spicy book or whatever it is to get your yourself mentally, physically there. And I think if you frame it that way, there's some understanding of like, you're going to have to do some of the stuff that takes my attention away from, you know, being able to be in the mood and be there. Um, and maybe that's this like idea that you need to like have the lists done or have the things done before you can sit down and and mm-hmm. and be like present. I just think for women so much of the being in the mood for sex is mental. And if you don't have that space or you haven't then had this space away from being touched by these children and making that switch from like mom to partner can be really hard. I also want to say like, this is not forever. Um, As the kids have gotten older, as as life has kind of changed, this has changed too. When I was here, I also felt like, well, this is forever now, but it is is not forever. And I, I think the thing is to have really open communication with your partner, but also really thinking about what do you actually need, knowing that you can't just like walk in, turn off everything else from the day and be present in that way. So how are you going to be present? And then how can the two of you work together to to get that time and space? Yeah. I don't know, Zach, what do you think? First of all, that you're up for once a week, I think is is good. I mean, once a week is, <laughs> yeah. is, a, is a pretty good rate. Um, and I think a couple things. If If your husband wants it three to four times a week, I think you should like give him your blessing even like some excitement for him to masturbate like maybe when you're around if that's something that he's into Hmm. like don't shame him for being so horny three to four times a week is like good for that dude 
Um, I don't have that kind of energy either, but like, I think there's always going to be a mismatch. I mean, the last time I feel like Sheer and I were kind of like wanted it like the same amount was when we were like 20. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> no. So, so I think that mismatch is, is incredibly understandable. And I would also prioritize not just like a date night, but like plan yourselves a weekend away and you can like make up for lost time. Mm. Um, get the kids out of, you know, the same zip code. This is worth uh, spending money on. It's worth flying a grandparent out. This is going to be really a great thing for you and your partner, especially if you plan it. Like, hey, I, I know that I haven't been you know, wanting it as much as you, but like, I would love to get away and just like reconnect emotionally, physically, um, psychically. So we're going to go and have some sex in uh, wherever. I don't know where you live, Veronica. So I would, I would recommend that <laughs> and, and just really prioritize that. But um, once a week, I think you're doing, you're doing great. Jamila, we also solicited some questions from listeners and from your social media followers about sex as a single parent, specifically since Zach and I haven't done that. So are you game to answer a few of those? I am. Okay. I thought this one was interesting. If both parents are single with kids, whose residence do you go for for sex? (laughs) This is tricky. Uh, mm-hmm. In my experience, having dated guys who also had children, we would go to the house of the person who did not have their kids, you know? So ideally, um, the children are out of the house and, you know, you don't have to worry about that. Um, but, you know, if you have older children, I would imagine, and Naima, you know, there there was a time where I had a boyfriend and he spent, he was long distance, but he did spend the night at our house when he was visiting sometimes, you know, and so I'm assuming there were some times that we did have sex while Naima was home and she was pretty young. So, I, you know, there were lo- we were very lucky that she never woke up, you know, and knocked on the door during <laughs> intimate time. Yeah. Um, but I think ideally the person who has children that will stay asleep, you know, um, if, if you have to be at a house where children are present, you know, because you don't want to be interrupted and you also have to have your children, I would imagine, comfortable with this other person being in your home, mm. you know, like I've never... You know, since that relationship, Naima hasn't met any men that I've been dating. There haven't been men in the house. I've never tried to say like, okay, once she sleep, I can sneak somebody in, you know. Um, (laughs) Ironically enough, more than she did when she was younger, she gets up, you know, in the middle of the night and comes looking for me. So I would just say um, try to do it when there are no kids home. But if you can't make that happen, make sure that the kids are going to stay asleep. I actually think this is good advice, too, for this question, Mm -hmm. this listener. Like if and, and actually in general, if you can figure out a time to have sex when the kids are not home, that is it is better. Yeah. Like just to me, like the idea that I have heard the children or that I think that they're pitter-pattering around the house is the thing that takes me the quickest like out of the mood I'm just like and I understand for you it's a whole different level like you know uh, at least they know both parties Um, (laughs) but I think that's great advice yeah 
can single parents make booty calls? Yes. Um, again, you should make them. <laughs> you they should. should. Make them, and they should, you know, but you should make them when your children aren't home. Um, if you're dating somebody who has older children, like teens, that's a little bit different um, because the parent of a teenager can have a different conversation, you know, with their kids about like, I'm going to have company tonight. So would appreciate it if you stay in your room and they know what time it is, uh, you know, it may be a little bit awkward, but um, I think that's really the only way to make that work. Either do it when you don't have the kids um, or, you know, when there are older kids. Do you feel like you have to make the switch between like mom mode? This is like, booty call Jamila or they do they exist because that's I have a hard time with that the like like I truly feel like it's like two roles and I can't quite figure out you know how to exist in both of them at the same time you know I am in a really privileged situation for a single parent so much so just an aside I had a debate with one of my good girlfriends um after I made the Instagram post asking for questions from single parents about dating and sex. And she says, you shouldn't call yourself a single parent. You're a co-parenting parent, Mm. you know? Um, And I disagree with that because I am a single, I I still consider myself a single parent when I'm parenting Naima, you know, when she's in my care, she's in my care alone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like on a Wednesday, if she's home. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm taking care of her, but, um, you know, this person doesn't have an active co-parent, you know, and she's like, it's just so completely different. There are people that are doing this all by themselves. And like the topic of dating in particular is so fraught, you know, because Mm -hmm. I have the time to do it because my ex and I divide Naima's time pretty evenly. So I have a few days to myself every week to date. And I've pretty much had that arrangement her entire life. So I am sensitive to the fact that as far as single parents go, I am really privileged. Um, And so I had Naima this morning. I don't have her tonight. And so my morning was hectic and, you know, filled with rushing to get out the door and make lunch, make breakfast, you know, and the rest of my day is going to move a little bit smoother because I don't have to pick her up later. You know, I have work to do. I have the podcast to record. I have dance classes tonight. But when I come home, I'll be coming home by myself, you know? And so it's not that mom mode completely turns off because there are things that I'm still, you know, I have to make Naeem and I appointment today. Um, You know, like if she leaves something here, it may not be my night to pick her up, but I still may have to go to the school in the middle of the day and drop it off. Yeah. You know, right, if, she call, um, if she calls you, you're not like, sorry, it's not my day. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Talk to your dad. <laughs> yes. But I do have the time and space, you know, to be on Jamila mode, to be focused on a date, on a partner, on sex, you know, without worrying that, it's not that motherhood has never interrupted that because, you know, I had a date scheduled one day last week and Naima was like, I really want to come to your house, you know? And yeah. I thought about it and I was like, okay. And I, I, my, I wrung my hands over it all day long. You know, it wasn't until about four o'clock that I made my decision, but I was like, my baby needs me. I'm mm-hmm. going to be with yeah. my baby. Mm-hmm. For someone, like if you're dating someone who doesn't have kids, so they're less familiar with the uh, the parenting terrain, but they are kind of peripherally 
seeing you parent, what's something that that person should know about dating a parent that they might not know because they're not a parent themselves? Just that parenting is a full-time job, you know, so there is the possibility that something with my child will come up and it'll interrupt our time. And in Naima's life, I think I've canceled two dates for, you know, reasons related to her. And I've been on a lot of dates Uh in the past 10 years. Um, But, you know, the parenting is something that you're always doing. So I always, you know, I can't put my phone away at dinner. Right. You know, it's always going to be on the table because there's that possibility that she or her father calls me and needs me. You know, she's never distant from my mind. You know, just the parenting right. is something that you're always doing. So just being respectful of that. Yeah. Do you feel like it's getting easier to do the dating now that she's getting older? Or is it hard, like harder because she's more like, what are you doing with your time when I'm not here? <laughs> Um, you know, I think in the way that a lot of single parents, you know, particularly single moms of girls do, I probably overshare with Naima a little bit. Mm. So we do talk a little bit about when I'm dating somebody or went on a really good date. I had fun. And I think it's important that she sees that side of me, too, though. You know what I mean? Like, to understand that her mom is an object of desire, that I do have a life outside of her, that romance is something that still matters to me, even though I'm not in a relationship with her father. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd say, I wouldn't say it's gotten easier or harder. You know, it it, it has not been hard for me. Um, I'm very fortunate. It hasn't been hard for me. But I think part of the reason it hasn't been hard is because one, I've always had at least two days out of the week to myself. You know, um, and with most busy people, you're not seeing each other more than two days a week. You know what I mean? Like, we're not 20, so we're not together six days out of seven. And I've made dating a priority, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. that's just, I want to be partnered, so I date aggressively. You know, I'm active on the dating apps. I go on a lot of dates. You know, I'm intentional about trying to meet somebody. So, you know, I think for a parent who may have taken some time off, and that's natural and normal. Like, a lot of parents, you know, once they become single parents, take a significant amount of time away from dating. They don't feel like they can. They don't feel like they should. They don't want to anymore. For whatever reason, you know, perhaps they're traumatized from the breakup, you know, and so you yeah. go a few years without doing that. And you don't know how to flex that muscle. But, you know, I've been flexing that muscle since Naima was about nine months old. Yeah. How do you manage like the apps and the with her, like with her around? Like, I, I think that's the thing because I think see that sort of as like switching that brain like are you stepping away to (laughs) to divide some time you're doing that while she's at school or it's it's the apps i mean i've i have not been on a dating app but the like is it just so easy that you can just do it very quickly yeah you can do it quickly and discreetly and naima's caught me on the apps before and there have been a few times that i've let her swipe through and look like whatever (laughs) you know like there's nothing explicit on there um but i usually when I do my swiping, I try to do it during the day while she's at school, just so I have a little time to focus on it without, you know, her saying, yeah. let me see, let me see. But like, if I get a message and she's with me, I can stop and respond to it without it being a big deal. Yeah. What's your app of choice now? Bumble. Okay. 
I like Bumble. I use Bumble and Hinge. And I liked Hinge better in New York, but in in LA, I found Bumble to be more fruitful. Okay. All right, listeners. We want to know how you've navigated sex and love while also being a parent. Funny stories are always welcome. And if you're coupled up, good news. Our episode this Thursday is all about co-parenting and navigating relationship troubles when it feels like your whole life is cleaning up puke. So if you have questions, stories, or comments about all that, we want to hear those too. Send it into us at careandfeedingpod at slate.com or come chat with us in the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Or if you really want to be our Valentine, we would love to hear your voice. You can leave us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. It's easy, it's quick, and it makes us happy. And you'll be like a co-star on our show for that week. So give it a try. We're going to take one more break and see you back here for recommendations. Let's move on to recommendations. Elizabeth, what have you got this week? I didn't mean for this to be so uh, topical, but it (laughs) sort of is. We're very into visual encyclopedias here. I was a little worried it was something we were like leaving behind when we stopped um, homeschooling because we spent a lot of time with them. But we've gotten a new one that the kids are completely obsessed with. It's called Super Simple Biology, the ultimate bite-sized study guide. It's from DK. And this is like those, do you remember coloring in like the cell and the things like that in school? This is like that in these beautiful, uh, you know, just dimensional, colorful renderings. Um, the kids love them. I'm learning all kinds of stuff. They have this for everything. We happen to be very into the biology book. Um, they have ones for the human body. They have mm-hmm. ones for physics and chemistry. But we just have been like opening it. Look, the kids have been bringing it to us to um, like ask us questions about it. I feel like this is an area where I know I studied it in school, but I don't know very much. And that makes it really fun to look at as a family because you as the adult are like, oh, my gosh. And also they have learned a lot about these things (laughs) since I took biology. Like they're a whole, you know, I'm like, I don't remember this. And then we Google it. It's like, oh, we didn't know this till like three years ago. So um, I really think that you should you know, spend some time with a visual encyclopedia, get one from your library. But we really like this one. Um, the ultimate bite-sized study guide to super simple biology. Great. What do you got, Jamila? I am recommending grilling your peanut butter and jelly oh, sandwiches. Whoa. There is nothing like a grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You just mm. butter that thing up, oh, put it in yeah. the pan, and it is absolute heaven. I've never, have you been doing this for your whole life? I haven't. Um, I've never even considered this. It's so good. I don't remember when I started doing it, and I don't do it with every PB&J, but when I do it, it it's such a treat. Sounds yum. What happens to the peanut butter? Does it get... Oh, It melts a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Oh, baby. Warm gel. There's something about warm jelly, too. Yeah, right. It feels like Like extra. Does it bring out the sugar or something? I just feel like... mm. Yes. What's your jelly of choice for PB&J? Strawberry. Yeah, me too. Classic. Zach, are you a strawberry also? We're, we're a mixed berry family. Mm. Hmm. I like a mixed berry. But yeah, strawberry is great. Uh, Zach, what are you recommending this week? I am recommending taking out the voice memo app or whatever is comparable if you don't have an iPhone and recording your kids next time they're having a laughing fit and beginning to keep like an archive of your kids' laughter. 
because nothing is sweeter than the sound of our kids laughing. And I'm just realizing that like, you know, the sound of Ami laughing as an, as like a six month old is very different than how he sounds at age three. And so just like record laughs over the years and be sure to date them. And you'll have like this jar of laughter, like a laugh museum of your family. It's going to sound like this. We need your help through the building on top of our head. We need you to help build it on the homie's head. Beep, bop, boop, bop. Hang up. <laughs> Dad, look at him. Dad, can I make Ami laugh? Can anybody make I'm me laugh more than Ami? I don't think so. Call Marshall. Call Marshall. Hi, Marshall. We have fire on our car. We need your help. Fire <laughs> <laughs> so what could be better than that, right? That is so sweet. You know what you need to do huh. after you get a couple of these? Do you know the little, like, what is the line called where you can, like, see the audio? Like the, like, you should, like the wave sign like or the, the wave line or the something? The wave. Yeah. I feel like that would be a really lovely, like, print. Ooh, yes. Yes. One time... Way back during COVID, uh, waveform, waveform. Mara is yes, coming in. Thank you, producer it's, it's Mara. Waveform. Um, waveform. During waveform COVID, art. Jamila, do you remember this? We guessed each other's laughs based yes. on waveform. <laughs> this is back when we were all locked in. Rosie sent us each, and we had to guess. And it was actually, I feel like it was very cool to like see our voice in this form and so like how cool would it be when you got like three from three different ages mm-hmm. to like make a print of the the three waveforms i really like that's that. the long game that's the long game <laughs> or like on a mug or something mm-hmm. I, like what a great gift would that be for this is this could shira. be someone's business or shira if you're listening this would be a great gift for zach <laughs> yes it would Yes, this is this is right up my alley. Like an odd, like as a you're like sitting doing your podcasting and you're and then mm. like on your mug mm-hmm. are your kids waveforms of their laugh. Like oh, I love okay. that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Great idea. <laughs> or just record them and listen to them. That's a much simpler All of the above. <laughs> solution. And it was so lovely. <laughs> we always want to hear what you're loving, listeners. So seriously, be sure to reach out and keep the conversation going. You know the deal. Email us at karenfeedingpod at slate.com. Or call us so we can hear your mellifluous voices, 646-357-9318. And that's our show. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review, and tell your friends. This episode of Karen Feeding is produced by the incomparable Maura Curry, with special thanks to Rosemary Belson. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Jamila Lemieux, I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks for listening. 